Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode 112, just continuing what we've been doing uh, throughout the season now where we're looking at the week in review. So week nine was not as entertaining as week eight from an NFL standpoint, that's for sure. But plenty of fantasy points were scored, and even in the uncompetitive games, um, even though the marquee matchup of the day ended up being a blowout with Tampa Bay and New Orleans, I still had a fun Sunday uh, since we were able to watch football, right? And follow all of our fantasy players. I had a decent week personally. It looks like I'm going to finish my uh, week this week five and three in my dynasty teams. But like I say every week, win or lose, it's just a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on our teams and our players. So after following all the games this week, uh, here are my thoughts on what I've learned after week nine and its impact on our dynasty teams and our dynasty players. I'll start with some general observations, four of them for you today. Uh, First is what I'll call too little, too late. Like I already said, week nine was not the most competitive from an NFL standpoint, but teams from uh, come behind efforts were the kind were kind to fantasy football. I counted five onside kick attempts at the end of the early games. If you were watching Red Zone, all these onside kicks were taking place at the same time, which means that five teams scored late and were too far behind in an actual kickoff and used timeouts. And while that definitely makes for a less entertaining game from the NFL standpoint, dynasty managers were happy to get those late touchdowns. I know I was. We got late touchdowns from Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy Graham, uh, DK Metcalf via Russell Wilson, Drew Locke, and then Jake Luton. Okay, so no one was starting Jake Luton, but all the other owners that were starting those players were very happy uh, to get those points, even though the games were not very competitive. In the uh, what I call the too little too late comebacks, they amounted, did not amount rather to any NFL wins, all those teams lost, but they did amount to points that carried some of our fantasy teams to wins. Uh, when the NFL competition is less than compelling, at least fantasy football can keep us engaged and rooting for those garbage points, which they certainly did yesterday, particularly in the early games. Second biggest observation I will call guessing game. While watching the Pittsburgh and Dallas game, yes, I'm a Dallas fan, so I had to watch through that brutal, brutal game. While watching that game, I was reminded how uh, frustrating it is to start wide receivers from either of these two teams. Uh, Each team has three talented wide receivers, but every week, a different one ends up leading the team in fantasy points. I wish there were a clear wide receiver one on each team, but there really isn't. Uh, The last three weeks, a different receiver from each team led their team in fantasy points. Pittsburgh's leaders in the previous three weeks were first Johnson, then Claypool, then Smith-Schuster this last week. Dallas's leaders the last three weeks were Cooper, then Lamb, then Gallup. It's frustrating. All six of these players are usually in starting lineups, fantasy lineups, because they have really high floors, and with few exceptions, and there's been a few bad games, and because of their consistent targets. But only a few times has one of them actually performed so well to actually win a dynasty manager's game. Like just They're just kind of average players, all of them together. I really wish that one of them from each team could establish himself as the most targeted and high-scoring wide receiver week to week, but it's not likely to happen this year. From a dynasty perspective, for dynasty's sake, we just hope that that will change in years to come, and one of them could actually become at least the most targeted and most high-scoring 
player week to week. Next thing I'll observe this week, I'll call third-year breakout. Uh, Wide receivers typically break out in year two rather than year three, as was commonly thought years ago. Uh, Christian Kirk, however, is really playing by the old rule. Uh, Since week three, when he had an injury, since that time he scored 343, or he's had 343 yards receiving and six touchdowns resulting in 83 fantasy points. Uh, He's the second on the team in targets and snaps since that injury in week three. And he's really living up to what the dynasty managers hoped for when they drafted him in the first or second round three years ago. I went back and looked, and I had Kirk as my number three ranked wide receiver that rookie cl- in that rookie class behind DJ Moore and Anthony Miller in my rankings. And it took him some time to shine, but now he's really establishing himself as one of those top receivers in the 2018 class, alongside the likes of Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, and DJ Chark, who have standed out from that class. I'm going to move him up pretty far up in my rankings, in my dynasty rankings this week when I redo my wide receiver rankings. And last observation I'll make, I'll call opportunity knocks. Uh, This year, uh, Kalen Balazs bounced from the Chargers to the Jets and now back to the Chargers again. And for some reason, he led the team in carries this week and scored 15 fantasy points while doing so. Justin Jackson actually hurt his knee on the first possession, and instead of giving the ball to their fourth-round rookie pick, Joshua Kelly, like you'd think they would, they ended up giving the lead role to a guy who's been on and off their practice squad this year. I've seen enough of Balazs to believe this is a one-week wonder. I won't look to pick him up on the waivers this week. I'll leave that to other managers who want to deal with the mess of a backfield in Los Angeles until Austin Eckler returns and hopefully dominates touches after that. However, Speaking of opportunity knocks, there's another running back that bounced around the league this year that I would be very interested in picking up. That's Salvin Odman. Uh, he received his first carries of the year after moving from San Francisco practice squad to Miami, and the Dolphins were without Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida, and they don't trust Jordan Howard for more than goal line touches. Ahmed outperformed Howard in the game, even though Howard did get that one goal line touchdown. Uh, Miami's been proven has proven already that they're willing to give a lead running back role to a player that they signed off the practice squad. Insert Miles Gaskin. That's what he's done this year, and I think they can do the same with the other Washington Husky, ironically, uh, on their roster. Ahmed was a, a top waiver would be my top waiver priority this week. I mention it here in the podcast rather than when I talk about waivers here in a minute because I'm hoping that the guys who read my article <laughs> will. Uh, that are in the leagues that I'm in will forget and just go straight to the waivers and forget that I'm actually listening in here. So he is actually my top waiver pick. Um, I was very surprised that he didn't get drafted by an NFL team and was thrilled when the 49ers signed him as an undrafted free agent. I thought that he would have a chance to, to compete in the muddy backfield in San Francisco. And so if you followed me during the offseason, I said he was my he was my favorite fifth round pick in a rookie draft just to grab him to see what would happen. Well, um, I thought that he could do something like that in, in, in San Francisco, particularly since Matt, since um, Shane Hand has a knack for finding UFDAs, uh, UDFAs rather, and uh, making them great. Instead, he was picked up by Miami, and now he has a chance to show what he can do on a team in need and a team that's not afraid to start a guy over those that are they're paying more, definitely paying more for Breda and Howard, and they started Miles Gaskin. Why could they not do the same with the other Washington Husky that now they have in their backfield? Let's talk now week number nine injuries. Uh, first one really depresses me, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey injured his shoulder late in the game on Sunday, and reports indicate that he may miss more time. After finally returning from his ankle injury on Sunday, he was back to his old self too, scoring 32 fantasy points on Sunday. So CMC, as I'll call him, CMC managers, will be devastated if this winds if, if this winds up that he's back on the IR. Um, man, Mike Davis played incredibly well the first couple games while CMC was out. 
but he lost a lot of steam the last four games while CMC was on IR. I was just so thrilled to have CMC back in two of my lineups where I have him on my teams. And I'm not sure that one game is enough rest to give Davis to make Davis a suitable starter again. Um, he doesn't seem like he's really able to handle the workload. I sure hope McCaffrey comes back from a shoulder injury and is able to play. They're calling him day-to-day, so hopefully he'll be playing uh, for us this first, or really for him, his second week back. Next injury is Kyle Allen. Man, Alex Smith, I think he's going to cement his comeback player of the year award now that he's uh, the starting quarterback in Washington. Allen's ankle injury looked very similar to Dak Prescott's, very disgusting to look at, meaning he's going to miss the rest of the year. And Smith came in and he threw for 325 yards and one touchdown, but he also threw three interception. I think I'd chalk that up to just inter- those interceptions up to just rust. I believe that he'll play better after a week of practice. I think Smith is far more experienced than Allen and appears to be healed from his horrible leg injury himself after months of surgery and therapy. Uh, he checks the ball down a lot, but I think that he can move the offense as much as Allen could. So I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off in the fantasy output of any of the Washington players thus far. Other injury was Preston Williams. Williams was looking like a favorite target of Tua uh, before injuring his foot after a touchdown catch. It appeared to be a severe injury, but it looks like now they've said that x-rays have come back negative, so he's still likely to miss a game or two, I would guess, since he went off on the cart. Jakeem Grant should get more playing time in the absence of uh, Williams, but I don't think that that should make him a viable fantasy player. On the other hand, Devontae Parker should see increased targets while Williams is out, uh, rightly raising the expectations of Parker, who's already an every week starter, but just kind of has a low, you know, low ceiling. Maybe now his ceiling will bump up a little bit. Next player to mention that got injured was David Johnson. Johnson sustained a concussion on Sunday. Players often come back the next week after a concussion, but concussion effects can also linger, so we don't know really what's going to happen there. Duke Johnson uh, took almost all the snaps and carries to finish the game, and he got four passes in addition to his carries. Duke uh, didn't look that impressive to me, and I don't think he should start be a starter in fantasy lineups, even though he's a clear starter in Houston. If David Johnson does miss time, the Texans already can't sustain a run game. They couldn't do it with Johnson. I think it's going to be even harder for them to do it with Duke Johnson. I should say they couldn't sustain it with David Johnson. I think it it will be even harder to do with Duke Johnson. Deshaun Watson and all of his pass catchers in Houston should benefit the most if this injury does linger. They're just going to have to chunk the ball around. Final injury that I'll mention is LaVisca Chenault. Chenault left the game early with a hamstring injury. And Chris Conley actually performed well in his place, catching seven passes for 52 yards. It's that old rookie narrative. Perhaps uh, Jake Luton got his first start, who got his first start on Sunday, built rapport with Conley on the backup team for the first half of the season. It's really unclear if Chenault will miss any time, but hamstring injuries do linger. I still don't think that Conley's worth adding you know, to a, a roster in Dynasty Leagues. I think DJ Chark, Keelan Cole are the only Jaguar receivers worth a roster spot, including, of course, Chenault, while he waits for this injury. Let's talk now about the waiver wire. I already kind of told you that my first would be Salvin Ahmed, but I've got a couple other guys that I'd be targeting this week. As a reminder, I do play in 27 to 30-man leagues, rosters rather. So these leagues uh, roster a lot of players. Certainly if you play in a shallower league, there's better players than this. But if you're playing a true dynasty league, here's the players I'd be looking to pick up in addition to Salvin Ahmed, like I mentioned. First would be Jake Luton. Uh, truth is that I picked up Luton in several leagues last week after being named the starter due to Gardner Minshew's injury. Luton will start the rest of the season, even if Minshew heals, because Jacksonville has to see what they have in Luton before the NFL draft when they have an opportunity to draft a quarterback because they are playing so bad. Uh, Luton looked good in the first in his first start, uh, leading what looked to be a last-minute game-tying touchdown drive. However, he failed on the two-point conversion, 
He did throw for 304 yards and have one touchdown passing and one on the ground. I think that's a great start. Uh, he'd be my top waiver wire other than Salvin, uh, like I already mentioned. I try to add him in every week this year, or I'm going to try to add him in the leagues where I didn't already pick him up because, I, like I said, I already picked him up in several leagues last week, but wanted to mention him here. Uh, profiting from the, the Kyle Allen injury, I think I would add uh, Alex Smith to my waiver ads. I think, like I said, Smith did uh, cement himself as a comeback player of the year. Now that he's going to be starting in Washington. Um, he's likely already rostered in super flex leagues, but if not, I'd look to add him this week. I think I'd only make bids for him in a one quarterback league if I were really thin at quarterback due to injuries. I think Smith could help a team this year, but I don't really believe he's a dynasty uh, guy to pick up, unlike Luton, who really you would pick up from a dynasty perspective. I think he'll be a starting NFL quarterback this year, but I don't think that he'll be starting beyond this year, even if he does well at Washington. I suspect they'll be drafting themselves a quarterback. A couple more guys, uh, Devontae Booker. Booker is only getting 10 to 15 snaps a week, but he's the clear handcuff to Josh Jacobs, and all other running back handcuffs should be rostered in, on Dynasty rosters. But Booker's available in a lot of my leagues, I looked, so I think I'd, I'd look to add Booker this week and drop him for the likes of other back-end, highlighting, of course, back-end running back handcuffs. Um, like I mentioned last week, Devontae Foreman, uh, Dante Foreman and Samaje P. Ryan I mentioned in the waiver column uh, last week. I think I'd drop both of those guys for Booker um, immediately. I picked up Foreman in a couple leagues last week. That's a move I'm looking to make this week, pick up Booker instead in case Josh Jacobs was to get injured. Booker would, would really benefit. Finally, uh, Cam Sims. Uh, Sims, not Cam Sims, not Stephen Sims, has quietly become the wide receiver too in Washington, at least for the last two games, where he's had the second most snaps among wide receivers behind Terry McLaurin. I'm not confident that this will last, but his three catches and 110 yards should make Washington take a closer look at him in coming weeks. I don't think that I add him in too many of my teams, but I would consider it if I had another player that was worth dropping. So kind of bottom, bottom of the roster guy, you know, that's obviously what you're turning when you're dropping your 30th player to pick up another player. Um, Cam Sims would be interesting. I'll consider him in a few of my leagues. Let's close uh, this week's podcast by talking about trades. One of the things that I like to do is I actually give you trades that took place in my leagues and provide context for what that dynasty owners were thinking. Trades kind of in a vacuum. You know, when you hear them on other podcasts, they don't really necessarily make sense because you don't know the construct of the teams and what they were trying to do with the trades that they made. But I give kind of the context because these are leagues that I play in. And there were four trades that went down this week. Let me mention them. First was DJ Dallas for a 2021 third round pick. This trade took place in my 12-team PPR league. The team that traded uh, for Dallas is in second place and really just wanted an extra piece to help him win a game last week. This is just before game time last week. And it helped because Dallas had a had a good week last week. Um, he hoped that Chris Carson's injury might last a few more weeks, which it did. And Dallas did well again. I can't. I didn't go back to look to see if he started in this week. But it makes sense that this, this team, uh, as a contender, got what he wanted. Maybe a few weeks of help with DJ Dallas, who's played okay and scored in both games. The team that received a 2020 third-round pick is near the bottom of the division and was wisely willing to give up a player that likely would never start for his team um, for just a third-round pick. Um, he's kind of compiling picks in this league, and so I think he got you know a third-round pick. He was able to trade Dallas for uh, cheaper than what Dallas was drafted at last year. Dallas was not a third-round pick in rookie drafts last year, and so he was able to sell him high. See what both, both teams are trying to do here? I think it was a win-win. 
Next trade. This is the most traded player in all of Dynasty. <laughs> it's James Robinson. I feel like I talk about him every week because teams are either trying to decide if they believe in him or not. So this trade was James Robinson for Jalen Samuels in a 2021 first round pick. So this took place in my 12-team PPR salary cap league. I usually don't write or podcast about uh, trades in my salary cap leagues because most people don't play salary cap leagues and because trades are really tough to grade because the financial implications of the trade. However, this trade uh, was included players that were on one-year contracts, so it really does feel much more like a normal dynasty trade. Like I said, Robinson's the most traded player in my leagues this year, and it's not even close. Dynasty managers are drawing a line on Robinson's value. Uh, is he worth a first-round pick since he's outperforming all the other first-round rookie running backs that were drafted in the first round this last year? Or do you consider him a one-year wonder? Uh, contending teams are definitely more willing to give away a first-round pick because at least they know that he's going to be a starter, starting running back for them this year and help kind of push their team over the top, they hope. And that's just what happened here. It was a contending team that made a trade to acquire Robinson, hoping that he could get a, you know, but the, over that kind of push to the, the championship. Contending team uh, made the trade to acquire Robinson, hoping that he could he could lead their team to a championship before in the salary cap league, having to give him up in free agency because in the salary cap league you actually have to give up guys in free agency after their contract expires. So it's really a one-year deal for this guy. It's definitely easier to trade for, to a contending team in a regular dynasty league since you could actually keep him, um, but that's not the case in this league, which meant. Uh, this guy's going to be really upset you know, if, if he had to give up a first-round pick for what doesn't end up being a player that he can sign long-term. So that's the implication of a san, uh, this trade in a salary cap league. Jay Bar- James Robinson, man, most traded guy by far. This third trade is really interesting. It's uh, TJ Hawkinson was traded for Denzel Mims in a 2021 first-round pick. So this trade took place in my 12-team weighted PPR tight end premium league. Uh, Hawkinson is finally living up to his first-round rookie status when he was drafted in our rookie drafts in the first round. He's becoming Matthew Stafford's most targeted pass catcher. And this league in particular gives 1.75 PPR to tight ends. So it's a very lopsided trade if you're just looking at this on paper. That's why you got to know the context of this trade. Hawkinson is worth a lot more in a tight end premium league that gives 1.7 PPR to tight ends. Hawkinson, in fact, in this league, he's a 56 highest scoring player in the entire league right now, just behind Julio Jones. So you can see in a league like this, what Hawkinson does, he's equivalent to Julio Jones right now. And Hawkinson should only improve, which is why this owner was willing to give up a solid wide receiver prospect in Denzel Mims and a first round pick uh, for next year. The team that traded Hawkinson is rebuilding, so I can see why Mims and the first round pick could help him. Although when I think about this trade, Hawkinson, he's worth two players in this kind of a league. But since uh, even draft pick in, in the first round can be a bust, Denzel Mims could be a bust and this 2020 first round pick could be a bust. I think I would have rather traded uh, for two even younger players that have already proven themselves rather than the potential of Mims and the potential of a first round pick. Hawkinson's value is too high in a league like this. So I really like the Hawkinson side of this trade. Finally, just to give a little price check on Corey Davis. Corey Davis was traded in one of my leagues for a 2020 second round pick. So that's the price check on Corey Davis, 2021 second round pick. This trade took place in my 12-team PPR league. Uh, Davis has been productive the last several weeks in a row, although he was goose egg on on Sunday. His play uh, raised the question, uh, can Davis finally live up to his first round rookie value? Few managers believe that he can, but here we see that some think that he could live up to a second round value. That's why it was traded for a second round pick. 
This trade was made by the same owner that actually traded for Hawkinson that I just mentioned when he traded Hawkinson for Mims in a 2020 first-round pick. So at least he's consistent. He's compiling uh, draft picks to rebuild his team. So I like this trade a little bit more than the previous one. Davis could be a late bloomer like Devontae Parker was last year. Only Davis is actually in the final year of his contract and may not re-sign with Tennessee. So that makes this trade a little bit more concerning. Regardless, uh, Davis may have a better career than the unknown second-round pick, but at least the owner who acquired the second-round pick has been accumulating picks, so he's got a better chance to hit, even though second-round picks uh, often bust. He's got a better chance since he's been compiling them to at least find somebody. He's given himself more shots, and he's definitely going to get a player that is five years younger than Corey Davis as he enters his fifth year next year. Well, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky fans. Thanks for listening uh, to our recap of week number nine. As I always, thanks so much for listening and make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate your support. I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.